The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 130 of the podcast. Today is Sunday, March the 10th. It is daylight savings, so remember to change those batteries in your smoke detectors, folks. That's what I always think of when it's daylight savings time. In any case, I'm really feeling uh, that loss of the hour that we had last night. I don't know about the rest of you, but for whatever reason, it's really affecting me this year. In any case, I'll be doing the show solo tonight. Jeff the Animal Wilson was tied up with some family obligations, so unfortunately he wasn't able to join the show this week, so you guys are stuck with me. And if you want to let Jeff know how upset you are about it, you can reach him on Twitter at Animal underscore Wilson and really give him the business about missing the show this week. A quick announcement before we get into some MMA talk. I have relaunched the MMAontherocks.com website. So if you have never checked that out, please do go give that a little look and see what we have going on there. I'm always open to feedback and criticism, as you guys know. On there, you can find weekly articles that I'll be posting pretty much every Monday. I think I've decided is going to be the schedule for that. And it's just going to be relevant topics for whatever's going on in the MMA world that I feel like writing about each week. I uh, finally found a little bit more time to dedicate to this show. So got the website back up so you can check that out. And as always, if you're listening anywhere on your favorite podcast platforms, please take a couple of minutes to leave us a review. It definitely does help uh, get the show out there. And as always, all the the shares and the retweets and everything like that are much appreciated. All right, that'll do it for the housekeeping announcements for this week. Let's get right into some MMA talk. So we had fight night 146 last night from the Intrust Bank Arena in Wichita, Kansas. The first time ever that the UFC uh, has been to Kansas. And uh, there were a lot of great things about this card. And there were some disappointing things about this card. Um, we can start at the top with the main event or the event as a whole I can talk to because this was on ESPN plus. I loved the flow of this card. It only had 13 fights on it. I feel like that's the perfect amount. It may even be one too many. And you know, we were, we were on the co-main event by 10 o'clock at night, Eastern time, uh, which was awesome. Uh, especially, you know, if it gets to be like midnight and you still have a five round main event to go, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people check out myself included. I, I do feel like there wasn't a lot of buzz about this card. I think a lot of people maybe were on a bit of a MMA hangover from last weekend. You know, last weekend was such a huge event. I feel like a lot of people were not tuned into this one, or maybe they just weren't talking about it on social media. There definitely wasn't the same buzz that there usually is on fight night. But I love the pace of the ESPN cards. Uh, It's definitely uh, a big bonus to the ESPN Plus platform and the deal with ESPN. And now the Professional Fighters League has also signed on with ESPN Plus, which is awesome. So if you started paying that 5 bucks a month to get this platform, you're going to get a ton of UFC content and you're going to get the next season of the Professional Fighters League, which I believe next week on Monday, they should be announcing the finalized roster for that. In any case, I know I'm getting off on a tangent here. Let's start with the main event, heavyweights Junior Dos Santos and the Black Beast Derek Lewis going at it. Uh, This is one of those fights where you never know what you're going to get. You know, you could get uh, a really explosive early finish from either one of these guys, or you could get two guys that respect each other's power a little bit too much. Uh, I heard some buzz that some people thought that JDS might take this one to the ground. 
just to get an easier victory over Derek Lewis, but I think those people don't know JDS very well because he loves to box, he loves to stand and bang, and he doesn't care who's standing in front of him. And that's what makes him one of the most exciting heavyweights of all time, in my opinion. I feel like he's very underrated. He's so quick, so explosive. He's such a dynamic striker for a heavyweight um, and just very agile. So we had a really exciting first round. I mean, both of these guys got rocked with some big shots. Uh, JDS said he didn't really feel that much from Lewis's power, but he definitely got staggered and stumbled a couple of times with some short shots that Derek Lewis caught him with. And you saw Dos Santos continuously going to the body of Derek Lewis, which we have seen exposed as a weakness. We haven't seen too many other weaknesses exposed in Derek Lewis's game, but body shots and cardio dragging him into deep waters seem to be weaknesses. Although in his fight with Alexander Volkov, he got dr drug into deep waters. He was losing, you know, 14 and a half minutes of the fight and out of nowhere he still comes up with a big shot so he's always going to be dangerous and even when JDS had him really hurt uh, he still came back and hit him with a big shot it, it almost looked like he was playing possum at one point he got hit with a big body shot and then he was keeled over in pain and when JDS came in for the kill Lewis came with a big shot out of nowhere uh, so I, the body is definitely the most glaring weakness in Derek Lewis's game, and you have to wonder if it's related to conditioning problems, if it's related to his diet. We know he's had a lot of back issues, uh, which can lead to you know, problems in the abdomen and vice versa. You know, If you have weak abdominal muscles, it can cause a lot of back pain. So maybe it's because he's carrying that extra weight. I mean, he does cut weight to make heavyweight. Uh, who knows? But uh, the the body shots definitely seem to affect him. I mean, we remember the infamous fight post-fight speech where uh, he basically said that he was ready to give up because of body strikes because they made him want to take a shit. And that's not something that can be considered normal. Um, but... You know, maybe his balls was hot. I don't know. Uh, nobody knows the answer except for Derek Lewis. But a uh, great performance overall by Dos Santos. I thought he had a great game plan. It did make me a little bit nervous that he kept lunging in for those right crosses to the body. You know, I know he wanted to target the body, but there are definitely safer ways to do it. You don't want to be lunging in on somebody like Derek Lewis who has the potential to put you down with a right or a left hand and he almost did a couple of times but uh jds coming through with that big spinning wheel kick you know right to the gut i don't think it was even a liver shot it was just right right in the stomach of Derek lewis and it just folded him in half and he stayed patient in there which is definitely a strength of jds and again i think I think Junior Dos Santos is a guy who has really been overlooked in this heavyweight division. He's 35 years old, which in any other division you would start to think about retirement, but in this heavyweight division, he's still a spring chicken. That makes three wins in a row over top competition. Uh, his last loss was to the former champ, Stipe Miocic, and you know he's been forced to take some time off due to some drug test issues that it turned out were not actually his fault. Uh, I think a smart call-out would have probably been Francis Ngannou for Dos Santos because Ngannou has been in the talks for a title shot. I don't think Dos Santos is going to get the title shot with a win over Derek Lewis, although you know, Dos Santos versus Cormier is a very interesting matchup because a lot of people don't know this, but Dos Santos does have uh, legitimate jiu-jitsu skills. So if Cormier puts him on the ground... Um, he, you know, that may not be where he wants to be. And, and nobody wants to stand with JDS. But I think Ngannou would have been the smart call-out for him. Um, yeah, he's not the type to go back after the fact and call people out on social media or anything like that either. So uh, that fight's not going to come together. I think the opportunity was missed there for him to make that call-out in the post-fight speech. But hopefully he gets a pretty quick turnaround and gets back in there. Uh, as for Derek Lewis, I would like to see him against Ben Rothwell and I'll talk about Ben Rothwell a little bit more as we move down the card here 
as he made his return from a three-year layoff last night in Kansas. But I think that would be a good move for him. I think it's a great fight for both guys coming off a loss. And, you know, that could be a fight night main event as well. Even though Derek Lewis is coming off back-to-back losses and Rothwell's coming off the long layoff and, and the loss, I think these are both still very marketable heavyweights and people will tune in. Uh, you know, especially if you have a strong undercard backing it. So we'll move on to the co-main event. Unfortunate that, you know, not a lot of people, I feel like, caught this card. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, hit me up on social media if I'm getting this one wrong. But, uh, again, I feel like there just was not a lot of buzz last night. You know, maybe everybody was just kind of chilling at home and, and not uh, getting on social media over this one. But uh, the co-main event... Uh, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. So we had Dos Santos and Dos Santos, both victorious in the main and co-main events, respectively. Getting a big win in this welterweight division over a really highly touted prospect in Curtis Millinder, who we've spent a lot of time talking about on this podcast. And it seems like he has just not closed the gaps in his grappling game. Uh, Millinder, that is. Because... Uh, Elizu Dos Santos is really a striker. I mean, his nickname is Capoeira, which is, you know, Brazilian dance striking. Uh, so he likes to stand and bang with people, but uh, he was able to get Curtis Millinder to the ground with no problem and submit him. Uh, it's now the third time in Millinder's career that he's been submitted. Uh, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, here's a guy who's 31 years old. It, it you got to wonder if he's going to have the time to close these gaps in his grappling game. Uh, you know, it takes a long time to develop the kind of grappling skills to be able to hang in the UFC. And, you know, Elizu Dos Santos is, is really well versed in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but you know, it's not, it's not his main, uh, means for attack, you know, he just happened to work that game plan because he knew it was a weakness for Millinder. He wasted no time snatching up the takedown in the first round, and then uh, it didn't take long at all, two minutes, 35 seconds to get that rear naked choke. So uh, a great win for Zaleski Dos Santos taking out, you know, a, a big name, you know, a, a really hot up-and-comer, and it, it's a it's a big deal for him. Uh, again, I feel like he could have called out a name in this in this top ten. Maybe he's definitely deserving of it. With I believe seven wins in a row, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, seven seven wins in a row. He's coming off that uh, that really nasty flying knee knockout of Luigi Vendramini at uh, Fight Night One Thirty Seven. So uh, you know this guy is the real deal. He's got some serious skills. He's really well rounded. Uh, it would be interesting to see him get towards this really grappling-heavy uh, top of the welterweight division. And let's stick with the welterweight division here. We'll go down to the third fight from the top, and that's Nico Price and Tim Means. Nico Price changed some things up in his training camp, uh, c- coming off the loss to Abdul Razak Al-Hassan in his last fight where he got knocked out. Um he he dropped he dropped his body weight down a lot and now he doesn't really cut weight anymore and he said it's made a really big difference i think he was walking around at like 178 leading up to this fight and the day before weigh-ins uh at the fighter meeting he was at like 173 so he had like a nice easy three pound cut and it definitely helps to have a stronger chin when you're in there with tim me and so Nico Price rocked Tim Means early in the fight. Tim Means goes for a takedown, which is very unlike him. And Nico Price is not necessarily a guy you want to be on top of in the ground game. He's very unorthodox. He's got some slick submissions off of his back. And he knocked out Randy Brown from his back uh, with hammer fists, which was crazy. It was one of the the most bizarre finishes I've ever seen. Uh, It still stands out in my mind to this day. And I've seen a lot of crazy shit. Uh, in my time watching this sport and being a fan of this sport. So they get back up to the feet. Tim Means uh, hunting Nico Price down, stalking him 
with straight punches right down the pipe and Nico Price kept trying to time the right hook counter and Tim Means just rushed in a little bit too much and, and Nico Price caught him with one of those right hooks that comes in at kind of a weird angle, kind of like a knuckleball kind of sailing in from the side. I'm demonstrating for those uh, watching on YouTube here. But it dropped Tim Means. Not only did it drop him, but his ankle got stuck underneath him and bent backwards. And it actually snapped his ankle and his tibia, I believe. So compound fracture there where the bone was almost coming through the skin. Uh, immediate surgery required for Tim Means. And uh, great win for Nico Price. I mean, this definitely moves him up the ladder, especially coming off the loss in his last fight. He looked great, I think. You know, dropping the weight definitely helped him. Uh, you got to feel bad for Tim Means, though. I mean, he's a guy who doesn't know how to have a boring fight. And he has just had a streak of bad luck, you know. So a handful of split decisions that didn't go his way. And he was another one who got caught up in some drug testing that was just all a big mistake. But he still had to sit on the bench for a long time. And I imagine he's going to have to sit for a while now as he heals from this broken leg injury but uh from the social media post i saw from him he seemed you know very gracious and he has the right attitude he's saying he wanted to leave it all out in the cage every time and give the fans what they pay for you got to respect a guy who fights the way that tim means does um also a questionable knee in this fight where nico price was coming up from the ground and tim means threw a knee and paul felder thought it was illegal and john addict said they're under the new rules and then they came back and said uh they're not they are under the new rules but the knee was still illegal because nico price was down uh we, we need to fix this i mean it's getting so confusing and if paul felder doesn't know and he's actually a fighter uh you know how do we expect these other fighters uh, who are in there to know i mean obviously you should know the rules but when they're changing every time you're in a different city uh that's fucked up for everybody you know the referees shouldn't have to be thinking about it the fighters shouldn't have to be thinking about it there should be one one set of rules so let's get this shit organized for fuck's sake um this is where i need jeff the animal wilson to uh just agree with me so i could so i could take a breath uh <laughs> In any case, let's let's get back to the heavyweight division. So all heavyweights and welterweights so far at the top of this card. So Blagoy Ivanov getting away with a decision over Ben Rothwell. And I say getting away with because if you saw Ivanov's face at the end of this fight, it was pretty clear who actually won the fight. And this is where I was disappointed with Kansas as far as the athletic commission. I don't know what fight they were watching here. I thought Ben Rothwell clearly won two rounds here. Um... And the fact that not one judge saw it that way is very concerning to me. Um, I, I think that, you know, we really need to pressure these athletic commissions. And I, I'm really a proponent of there being a legislative body that oversees all the athletic commissions so that there can actually be appeals and there can actually be consequences in place when judges get things wrong. I would love to see this in boxing as well. I mean, we all remember the Adelaide Bird decision uh, in the Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin fight, the first one where she somehow scored it for Canelo when there was no way that he won that fight. And there's just no consequences. All they do is they take you into a room and they ask you to justify your decision. And, you know, it's subjective. So, you know, they keep getting away with it. Even in, even in like... Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments you have to be a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu to be a referee but in mixed martial arts there's no such credentials necessary to be a judge or to be a referee now I know the sport is still young but I think that's something we need to start putting in place like you have to have at least let's say like five amateur fights or something in order to be a judge in this sport so you at least know what you're looking at or at least, uh, you know, a certain rank in jiu-jitsu or, you know, some some type of combat experience. I don't think it's possible to be a spectator and for, to really be able to understand the positions and what's going on and how punches are, are 
landing and everything like that. Now, if you look at the strike breakdown, it was actually pretty close. I think it was the second round where Ivanov and Rothwell landed the exact same amount of strikes. But uh, you can't go on that either because the judges the judges don't have that in front of them when they're watching the fights. I think it was very obvious that Rothwell was controlling the octagon. He was backing Ivanov up. Ivanov was trying to counter-strike, but he wasn't doing any damage. Um, you know, the most he did was force Rothwell to switch stances a couple of times. And, uh, you know, Rothwell almost put him away a few times there, but he was patient. He was composed. I thought he looked great for a fighter who's had a three-year layoff. Um, and... Man, even I've just got away with one here. I think he was even surprised uh, when when he heard the decision announced, and he got his hand raised. And if if you look at his face, I mean, his his eye was almost swollen shut at the end of this fight, and and Rothwell just looked like you know a big sweaty dude at the end of this thing. So I don't know, maybe I got it wrong, but I, I think Rothwell got robbed here. I'd like to see him and Derek Lewis next. As I said, I think that could be a main event of a fight night for sure i think it's a really exciting fight i think uh rothwell is much more well-rounded than lewis but uh you know that's never stopped lewis from beating people and knocking people out in the past so i think that's a really fun matchup to make and that's what i want to see uh as for Ivanov, um i guess if he was a little less shocked from winning the fight maybe he would have called somebody out um this is a heavyweight division that's pretty wide open you know black, black white even off too i i don't want to take anything away from him because he's a very skilled fighter uh you know for a long time he was he was doing he had a great run in world series of fighting i think he was undefeated there and then even had one fight uh when they transitioned into the pfl as well so he was on a long winning streak coming into the ufc lost a decision to junior dos santos in his first fight there so this is actually his first win inside the ufc cage um so you know if you come in and you're fighting junior dos santos in your first fight obviously the organization thinks highly of you so i'm sure they'll put him in there with a top contender next moving on we got Benil Dariush and Drew Dober. And I told you guys, if you wanted to see uh, a good grappling match, this would be the one to watch. So Drew Dober is a very good grappler in his own right, but Benil Dariush um, is a very high-level grappler. I would put him above a lot of this guy a lot of the guys in this uh, lightweight division here. You know, he's had his ups and downs. Um you know, a, a couple of unfortunate uh, knockouts for him, but I thought his striking looked very much improved. I really liked the way he was moving in and out of the pocket against Drew Dober, and you know, probably got the worst end of the strikes in that in that first round. But then in that second round, he was able to get it to the ground, and then he used what's called a Kimura trap from the half guard, top half guard, where you basically dive across your body's uh, your opponent's body diagonally and you scoop under their arm with an overhook with your far side arm i know this is a really uh <laughs> this is a really convoluted explanation in any case you're in top half guard and you dive across your opponent's body for a kimura and you basically use that to pass the guard and roll over the shoulder of your opponent so that's what benil Darius is attempting to do and drew doper tried to sit up and Darius just felt him moving underneath him and locked up uh, a triangle with his legs. And then he was able to use that triangle to work his way up the arm and then get an arm bar. And Drew Dober was still moving underneath him uh, a lot. So it was interesting to see Benil Darius lock up this triangle and then move with Drew Dober uh, to be able to secure the arm bar. It was very very top shelf grappling. Awesome job by Benil Darius uh, over a really tough opponent in Drew Dober, who, like I said, is a very high level grappler in his own right. But Benil Darius, when it comes to grappling, uh, is is one of the highest level um, wrestlers and grapplers in this division, which is saying a lot because this lightweight division is is stacked with with killer grapplers. So uh, I don't think he called anybody out either. Um, Admittedly, I didn't have the volume up too high 
during this one. And I was watching the fights outside. I, I, I don't like to, I don't like to listen to too much of the commentary, not because I don't like the commentators, just because I don't like to be influenced too much. I like to kind of think about my own analysis and kind of things I'm going to say here on the show. Uh, I'll skim over a few things here for the sake of time. Amari Akhmedov looking very good against Tim Boach. So Akhmedov in the past has been known for uh, gassing out, like even in the first round or in the beginning of the first round, he, he really tries to knock his opponent out. And, you know, it's it's been a bit of a downfall for him in the past and a, and a big criticism of, of his in the past. Um and he looked really patient in there against a veteran like Tim Boach, who, you know, is always in the fight and, you know, is, is known for knocking people out as well. So uh, big win for Agmedov there. Uh, the other fight I told you guys to watch last week, um, Anthony, Anthony Martin and Sergio Marais. Uh, this one uh, went down uh, pretty much the way... I said it might last week, you know, two guys again, who are really strong grapplers, but Anthony Martin just has the advantage on the feet. Sergio Moraes is a big power puncher, but, uh, you know, when you can't land those shots against a seasoned striker, uh, who's able to just move in and out and use distance and everything like that. And obviously Moraes would have liked to get this one on the ground, but you know, Anthony Morocco, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, still a very uh, accomplished grappler himself, but I, I think he wanted no part of the ground game with Marais. So uh, he did the right thing. He played it smart, and he, he outpointed him on the feet. Came away with the decision here. Another decision in this women's, let's see, bantamweight? Yeah. Bantamweight division, yes. Um, Yana Kunitskaya and Marion Renault. This fight was awesome and it had a very peculiar ending and i'll tell you why i missed this fight last night so what i did was this morning i went back and i just watched espn plus has an option where you can just watch the highlights and if you watch the highlights of this fight you would swear marion renault won the fight because at the end of the fight they announce they're about to announce the winner yana kuniskaya's face is completely smashed in she joins the Andre Arlovsky Nose of the Month Club. Like, her face got leveled. Uh, two black eyes, blood all over her face, and her nose completely smashed. And you see Marion Renault all excited before they announce the winner. And then Yana Kuniskaya gets the decision. So I was like, oh man, this is another case of these Wichita judges fucking things up. So I had to go back and watch the entire fight. Yana Kunitskaya controlled pretty much the entire fight. The first and second round, she was backing Marion Renault up. Marion Renault had a very good high guard with her boxing. Her boxing was super tight. She has great head movement, but she could not close the distance on Yana Kunitskaya. And she didn't figure it out until there was about two or two and a half minutes left in the third round and once she figured it out she figured out a combination that opened kunitskaya up which was a, a right straight to the body followed by a hook to the head and once she landed that a couple of times uh she was able to open up a couple of other things because kunitskaya didn't want to get hit with those with that combination anymore with that two three combo so renault was able to land some big shots on kunitskaya's face and smash her nose in like i said and give her the black eyes but you know, overall, uh, you, you got to give it to Kunitskaya for, for hanging in there. It took a lot of heart to to get your face bashed in like that and and last, um, you know, the rest of the fight. Uh, unfortunate for Marion Renault because, you know, usually you want to say, you, you know, the person who does the most damage c could be the clear winner, like I was saying with the Bren Rothwell and Blagoe Ivanov fight. But this wasn't the case in this fight because Kuniskaya won the first two rounds. And, man, if anything, I don't think you could even get a 10-8 round to Mary Renault in that third round because I don't think Kuniskaya was in danger of going out. She she hung in there uh, the whole time. But Mary Renault just, just figured out the puzzle and she figured out how to close the distance. And 
and she smacked her up good in that third round, and, and she looked great, especially for 41 years old. By the way, Marion Renault getting in there and throwing down with Yana Kunitskaya, who is, I, I believe, in her 20s. She's not that old. Um, so, yeah, 29 years old. Um, you know, Marion Renault looked good, but it, it, unfortunately for her, uh, she was a late starter and it was definitely way too late in this instance because Yana Kunitskai was just able to tally up way too many points before Marion Renault figured out how to uh how to control the distance here. Grant Dawson, dominant victory, unanimous decision victory over uh Juliana Rosa. He looked really good. Um, you know, he's got some powerful wrestling, he's got a strong top game, a lot of pressure. Uh, he used a lot of pace. Uh, Tuesday night contender series winner was Grant Dawson. So uh, he, he looked good in there. He had a big slam in the first round over Rosa, where he carried him in a big circle around the ring, slammed him in the, in the center of the cage. Uh, two other um, ultimate fighter alumnus from this past season, Maurice Green and Jeff Hughes, the heavyweights, Go to a split decision in favor of Maurice Green. Uh, I thought he looked uh, pretty okay in this fight. It was a very close fight. You know, Jeff Hughes was pressuring him up against the cage a lot, but Maurice Green was landing more from the outside. So, in that case, it depends on what the judges see. Uh, Matt Schnell getting a big win over Louis Smoka. So Louis Smoka was in the UFC for a long time at flyweight, and then he got cut, and then he strung together three wins in a row, I believe. Came back at bantamweight. Seemed reinvigorated, you know, re-inspired, re-motivated, wh- whatever the case. Uh, Matt Schnell submitting him in the first round with a really cool series, actually, where he jumped for a guillotine, arm in guillotine, and he was holding on to it for a long time. I thought he was going to gas his arms out. And then he switched the grips to a regular guillotine, so he was able to get around Smoka's arm. And then uh, Smoka passed through that guillotine and Schnell transitioned into a triangle and uh, he had to hang on to that one for a while too before uh, eventually getting Smoka to tap. Smoka's a tough guy. And then we had uh, Alex Morano getting a verbal submission due to um, elbows on the ground over Zach Otto and Alex White over Damaret by unanimous decision uh, in the opening fight. Uh, so overall, this is a really good card. Uh, if you can't tell where I blurred the lines from the main card to the prelims, that's because I don't really know. Uh, it was all kind of one. It was all kind of one thing. It was the thirteen fights, and I, I think it started at six thirty or something. And and um, I don't know. There was a bunch of fights on on the main card. I guess it, it was kind of nice not having to change the channel and jump around and everything like that, which is a a huge benefit of this ESPN Plus platform. You know, I I don't like when you have to go you go to Fight Pass for the early prelims and then you put on ESPN for the prelims and then you find a, wherever the pay per view is or it goes back back in the day where it used to go from Fox Sports Two to Fox Sports One and even if you were recording it, maybe you didn't you didn't get it because they had on NASCAR or college basketball or some dumb shit like that. Um, in any case, I thought it was a great card. So if you missed any of those fights uh, or if you missed all of those fights, uh, definitely check out the main event. Uh, the Nico Price-Tim Means fight was crazy. So look at that one. Uh, even off in Rothwell was not that exciting of a fight, but if you want to go back and tell me I was wrong about Rothwell getting robbed, but uh, you know by all means, uh, Benil Darius looked great uh, with that armbar. Uh, the setup was really slick. I really like that one. And uh, the last one I'll give you is uh, Yana Kuniskaya and Marion Renault. I thought you know that was one of the more entertaining fights for me personally. So uh, we get to keep on rolling with some MMA action. We have uh, this next weekend coming up, St. Patrick's Day weekend on the 16th, the O2 Arena in London. So this one might be on at a weird time of day. I don't have that information handy for you right now because I very rarely have any information handy for you guys because all I do is 
is plug in a microphone and, and talk. And, and for whatever reason, you guys listen to me. Uh, before I get uh, going on next week's card, which is headlined by Darren Till and Jorge Masvidal, which is a really awesome matchup that Ben Askren is very interested in the winner of because he'll be in the audience, I guess, to call out Darren Till if he wins. Before I get into that, I want to talk about a little bit of booze with you guys because I know I've been lacking on that. Um, and I know some of you enjoy hearing what I'm sipping on occasionally. So here's a pleasant surprise that I picked up a couple of weeks ago. And I've been meaning to talk about it, and I just never got around to it. For those of you who are joining me live here on YouTube or are watching this later on YouTube, hello. I'm holding up what looks like a can of motor oil, and it is, in fact, bourbon whiskey. This is distilled by Stillhouse Spirits. They're from Columbia, Tennessee, and they put their whiskey in basically what looks like old motor oil cans, which is kind of a cool gimmick. Usually, I tend to think that if somebody has a gimmick, it's because they're compensating for something. Usually, shitty booze. Uh, you know, this is definitely the case with like a lot of wines and stuff. You know, wines will have flashy labels, and then it'll be shit wine inside. So, that's fully what I was anticipating with this. But I started reading some things online, and and some people started saying like this stuff is actually pretty good. And they make a bunch of flavored stuff, which which tends to put me off too. They make like cherry and like all fruit flavored. So I picked this one up and it's a black bourbon. They call it bourbon, but it's actually a blend of uh, corn, rye, and barley. So I, I don't know if it technically qualifies as a bourbon, but let's call it a bourbon for argument state because that's what it says on the label. And the reason it's called black bourbon is because they – they um they use they <clears throat> oh, excuse me they use american oak barrels and they let it mellow in coffee beans which gives it a nice smooth finish uh and it really it really does work um you know i don't know if you could just take any bourbon and and sit it in some coffee beans and it'll taste good I don't know if there's actually a caffeine content to this either, which troubles me because I'm drinking some right now and it's almost 10 o'clock at night, but you know, whatever, you only live once, right? So, uh, you know, on the nose, it's got kind of a lot of sweetness to it and you can, you can feel it. You can, you get some vanilla notes like right up front. And then it really does have a smooth finish from that coffee. It doesn't taste like coffee at all. But I guess it just kind of mellows out. And the coffee, I guess, takes some of the harshness away from the alcohol. I guess the acidity of the coffee kind of balances out uh, the harshness of the booze. Uh, it's uh, 80 proof, so it's not that strong. But, you know, for a bourbon, they can still be pretty harsh. You don't actually need to add anything to this. I usually recommend couple of drops of water or a few ice cubes to kind of open it up and let it breathe and uh this actually drinks really nice just neat on its own uh they use limestone water which is actually pretty popular i don't know if you guys remember i was talking about the widow jane bourbon that uh comes out of upstate new york a couple of, might be a couple of months ago at this point but uh the limestone water is a nice touch too i think it really helps uh add to the flavor you know, it's just something a little bit different. Um, but the the reason I was so surprised by this is because I picked this bottle up for like 22 or 23 bucks. So my expectations were very low, uh, which probably helped me enjoy it even more. You know, if I had paid a lot of money for something in an oil can, I would be like, great, now this is going to suck. And I would probably be disappointed no matter what. But uh, actually really good. So the Black Bourbon by Stillhouse. And I definitely plan to try like the regular bourbon. I don't know if I'm going to try the flavored stuff. Uh, I'm not too into that. I'm more of a purist when it comes to bourbon. I don't think it needs to be messed with too much. You know, every now and then I'll try like 
one of the honey things or, or or something like that you know nothing nothing too out of the ordinary you know jim beam did the black cherry for a while i was a little bit into that the red stag when that came out um i, I probably wouldn't like it now because uh, you know i've been drinking i guess better stuff but in any case still house black bourbon good shit let's uh move on to this upcoming week of mixed martial arts in london so darren till trying to rebound off his loss to the former champ tyron woodley you know getting right back in there it seemed like he was really going to move up to middleweight after that fight that's really what i wanted to see from him there's so many awesome fights for him at middleweight and he sucks himself down so much to get to welterweight and he's already got his eyes on ben Askren. you know they've been talking a lot of shit back and forth but you cannot overlook jorge masvidal this is a guy who is a fighter I, I know that's the obvious thing to say, but this guy was born to fight. Uh, you know, they call him game bred because uh, he was bred to be a gamer. This guy was fighting in people's backyards, like the, the those backyard fights with like Kimbo Slice and, and stuff like that down in uh, in the Miami area. He was he was back there doing that, uh, you know, before he ever became a professional. And he's a guy that's just so hard to put away and you know even his losses in the ufc have all been like pretty close decisions he has not been finished since 2009 in bellator and since then he's had over 20 fights uh you know he's he's coming off two losses in a row but you know they were decisions to uh damian maya and stephen thompson who you know, are perennial contenders at the top of this division. So Darren Till should not be looking past Jorge Masvidal, and he should stop talking shit to Ben Askren uh, because he's going to get distracted. And, you know, when you have Jorge Masvidal standing across from you, the last thing you want to be is distracted. You need to be 100% focused. Uh, you know, Jorge Masvidal will stand and strike with anybody. He has great wrestling. He has outstanding submission defense, not that he'll need it in this fight. Uh, but, you know, Darren Till uh, is, I imagine, going to be a favorite in this one, and for good reason. You know, he's explosive. Uh, his whole left side is dangerous. Knee, elbow, punch, kick. Uh, he, he can put almost anybody down if he connects. Uh, so th this is an exciting main event and it's two guys that are like very harsh fighters just like you know natural born badasses but they haven't been talking a lot of shit to each other they've actually been fairly respectful which probably won't help sell tickets or you know it's in london and there's a british fighter fighting but you know it's not going to build a lot of hype but it's kind of cool to see two guys that are that are you know natural born killers uh being you know pleasant to each other then we got uh staying in the welterweight division leon edwards and gunner nelson this is an awesome fight this is a a typical striker versus grappler matchup gunner nelson who you know he had that loss to santiago ponzinibbio and he came back just like fucking huge I, I don't know how he put on so much muscle and is still able to make 170 pounds. And he looked great in his last fight against Alex Cowboy Oliveira in December. So, um, you know, good to see him getting back in there uh, pretty quickly. Leon Edwards, I don't believe we've seen uh, since his fight with Cowboy Cerrone, unless I'm mistaken. <laughs> I'll check on that real quick for you guys because I'm actually curious myself. Yeah, so he fought Cowboy in June of 2018, and he won that decision, and we have not seen him since. So, uh, you know, especially in a division like this, you know, Leon Edwards is a guy, one, two, three, four, five, six wins in a row. And, and it's not nobody's he's beating. Donald Cerrone, then he knocked out Peter Sabata, Brian Barberina, Vicente Luque. Uh, you know, he's got wins over some big names and his last loss was a, a decision loss to the champ Kamaru Usman. So if he stays a little bit more active, you know, maybe he could work his way back up to a rematch 
uh, but there's no looking past Gunnar Nelson. So typical striker versus grappler matchup. Very interesting here. Then we have in the light heavyweight division, Dominic Reyes and Volkan Ozdemir. It, you know, a big step up in competition for Dominic Reyes, in my opinion. But there's nothing else you could do with the guy because you already put him in there with Jared Cannonier. He knocked him out. You put him in there with Ovin St. Peru. He beat him by decision. Now he's 10-0. Volkan Ozdemir just fought for the title a year ago. Um, but uh, what else are you going to do with Dominic Reyes? You got you to gotta start giving him the top contenders because, you know, you already threw him in the deep end. Uh, you know, Ozdemir's got the p- kind of power that can put anybody to sleep, but uh, Reyes, very well-rounded. I think only one opponent has made it out of the first round with him or, or made it to a decision with him, I should say. Uh, then we got uh, Claudio Henrique da Silva and Danny Roberts. So Henrique da Silva, 12-1 and one fighter. Uh, he's another guy who had a really long layoff and came back and uh, you know just needs to stay relevant. His only loss is a, is a disqualification loss in his first professional fight. So um, definitely always cool to see him fight. I'll bounce around a little bit here. Joseph Duffy uh, coming back after a long uh, layoff. To, to face Mark to Casey. So this should be a stand-up battle. You know, you get the the boxing style of of Joe Duffy against the explosive uh bone crushing style from the bone crusher uh Mark to Casey who you know he's got he's got three losses in a row. Uh but you know he's he's got that kind of explosive power and you know, ability to make a highlight reel that causes the UFC to kind of overlook those losses. And Joe Duffy hasn't fought since November 2017. That was a loss to James Vick. But um, I don't know. I, I guess they keep him around because he's got a win over Conor McGregor uh, <laughs> from like 10 years ago. All right. So... Let me see if there's any other hidden gems on this card that I want to point out to you guys. I don't think I remember seeing anything my first glance of this one. Uh, hmm. uh, no, nothing else I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys to look out for. But, you know, whenever there's a card where you don't recognize a whole lot of names off the bat, those are usually really fun fights because if you don't recognize names uh that means that all these people want you to recognize their names one day so they're gonna get in there and try to put on a show and try to stand out because that's what you have to do uh in this sports entertainment industry here that we all love so much uh one other thing i want to bring up i know jeff wanted to talk about this last week and and he's not here now so we'll probably circle back to it next week but the retirement the unexpected retirement of Mirko Krokop Filipovic um, you know there's not a lot of people not just in MMA but in life who are known just by their nicknames uh, and Mirko Filipovic is a guy that you know you'll never be here you'll never hear him called Mirko Filipovic you'll you'll hear Mirko Grokop this guy is an absolute legend you know just about 50 fights in MMA and coming on ending his career on a 10 fight win streak you know he just had that win over Roy Nelson and Bellator and unfortunately not long after that he suffered a stroke and his doctor said, uh, no more fighting, Mirko. And Mirko said, okay, I guess it's time to hang it up. And here's a guy, you know, 44 years old, but as a heavyweight, that's that's not something that's uncommon. And he's fought, by the way, almost 50, uh, 50-something fights. That's just MMA. He's also had, I don't even know how many kickboxing matches. Uh, this guy has highlight reels for days. I mean, you could go and watch, you could watch an hour of Miracle Crow Cop highlight reels. Uh, that's the kind of career this guy has had. Uh, so, 
definitely from us here at MMA on the Rocks, a big thank you to, to Miracle Crow Cop for you know all the memories over the years. I mean, this is a guy who was a legend in K1 kickboxing, and then he was a legend in Pride in Japan. And then he came to the UFC, and he kind of struggled and had a hard time adjusting to the cage. And then he had a resurgence, and then he left the UFC, and then he went over. We thought he was kind of retired, but then he went over to Ryzen, back to Japan, back to where he started in MMA. And and he had another resurgence of his career, and he was knocking people out again. And then he went to Bellator um, just recently, signed with Bellator, and you know we thought you know he beat Roy Nelson, and there were some big fights from there, but... Uh, this is the end for Mirko, and obviously we hope that he, you know he recovers and he's able to stay healthy and enjoy his retirement. And you know, thank you, Mirko, for all the all the amazing memories. Uh, you know, I'll always remember uh, right leg hospital, left leg cemetery. That's what he used to say about his opponents. You know, if he was able to uh, land a kick on them. Now, some of the most devastating head kick knockouts you'll ever see in your life. Uh, so thanks, Mirko. I'll raise a, a glass of Stillhouse Black Bourbon to you. Uh, cheers. I think that's all I got for this week, guys. Um, you know, please send me some feedback. I always love hearing from you guys, especially, you know, what you guys are drinking during the fights and what you think about the show, what you'd like to hear different. And check out the website mmaontherocks.com and let me know what you think of that and what you'd like to see different over there and you know I'll see if I could work it in I'll probably be writing another article tomorrow so by the time you're hearing this uh, it may be published maybe not I don't know what it's going to be about yet maybe it'll be about Miracle Crow Cop maybe it'll be about Stillhouse Bourbon I don't know I haven't decided in any case uh, you know please leave us a review wherever you're listening or or watching or however you're consuming this content and you know let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there at mma on the rocks facebook instagram twitter send me an email mma on the rocks gmail.com i'm always open to feedback and uh, having a great conversation about mma and alcohol so until next time cheers everybody goodbye